This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Dune by Gale Force 9. Episode 127, Learning the Benny Gesserit. Music by Brian Capillis, hosted by Hunter Donaldson and Matt Martins. I was trying to make it funny, but I'm at, I'm I am in, in in pain. Um, <laughs> I see how my, but, you know, maybe it should be in just as like that's how good of a sport I try and be, and how much I'm trying to be a team player here. Okay, all right, we've changed how we're sitting. Mm-hmm. We're all right. Okay, all right, we can do this, and we're in. Uh, hey, right off the top here, Hunter, we should do normal. Like, hey, hey, guess what? The semis of our Twilight Imperium tournament are going. Yeah, we got like, business. Right now. Uh, no time for jokes. No time for no jokes. Just, no jokes. Shut up. Okay. Uh, four no jokes. Games have been completed. Four complete uh, games. Two of them are on two, YouTube. Two of them are on YouTube. Two more on the way. On the way. Uh, if you want to watch game number five. It will be this weekend uh, for all of you uh, late night folks in North America. This one's starting at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Yeah. Uh, This is the late night game. This is for the people with really weird availability. um, And this is the only game this weekend. So the past two weekends, we've had two games a weekend. Mm -hmm. But we will only have one this weekend. And then we will have one more next Sunday. So if you want to catch the semifinals, you've only got two more opportunities. Uh, I will also say just to start start building that hype train open up your april 18th it is super we've we were kind of hesitant to like confirm it before but it's getting Mm -hmm. more and more likely that april 18th is definitely a good day for the final to happen if that changes we'll obviously let you know Um, uh, april 18th during who are our commentators and moderators for the upcoming friday game that is a good question. I know that uh, uh, it's not Friday. It's Saturday. Oh, Saturday. Yes. Sorry. Uh, and that moderator is definitely Celia. Actually, that's an easy one. Cool. When it's a really, yes, when it's yes, a yes. really weird time of day, that's gotta be you Celia. can bet that that's a Celia game. <laughs> so it'll be uh, me and Celia. I'll be doing the commentary. Uh, you won't have Hunter in this oh, one. Oh, wait. Why and not? Then, why why oh, wouldn't I, you have me? I don't know. Originally, the plan was that you were going to be busy, but if you're there, I'll, I'll be super appreciative. Well, but. so back when I said I was busy, was that was in the old world, you know, the pre. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. It's. I'm pretty sure I'm. Let me check. Yep, I'm open. So I could probably. I, I'll probably be there. Yeah. So uh, let's let's uh, let's set that aside now. We are. That's that's the upcoming schedule. But uh, Hunter, we have a. The music was different today because we've got. Uh, we've got some Dune stuff. Right. Well, However, this is a sort of season finale episode. This is sort of the season finale, but doesn't it feel like we've already done it? <laughs> Isn't this episode kind of done? <laughs> yeah. Uh, more or less? <laughs> yeah. So it feels like um, in talking about Dune, uh, we kind of talk about every... every Because f- there's only six factions, right? Right. So you can right. sort of talk about every faction a little bit in Mm -hmm. every other factions episode and also we did i feel like we just saved the wrong faction for last yeah we saved this so what we did is actually we did these factions in order of 
the rule book what what factions the rule book suggests you include per player count so like oh, sure. if you were starting with three players and then working your way up to six players this would be the last faction you would add but yeah benny Gesserit is such a such a crazy thing that it it feels like we have done a disservice to them to save them uh for last especially right. since um turns out they're wicked, crazy, ridiculously good, kind of broken. Kind of the game is busted wide open when they're in it. Maybe <laughs> maybe sometimes the game is actually better off as a five-player game, oh, except for it's not bold. because the Benny Gesserit is still super cool and super worth playing. So it's like this awful yin-yang sort of situation. Man, um, that but, was quite a sentence right there. Kinda <laughs> it was a like, long run you, on. Yeah, you were we like all over the place there. Um, but I, I mean, I think I agree that Benny Gesserit is probably the de-, de facto best in the current state of the game that we're looking at. Don't forget, there's like an expansion on the way with other factions included that could shake up kind of the overall makeup of all of this, or maybe the expansion is already out. I don't know. I haven't been keeping very good track right. tabs on that stuff. Um, but uh, I just want to, before we even really get into the guide itself, uh, or the overview, I should say, or the whatever it is, the the tutorial. Um, or the kind of instruction manual, whatever sure. it is, whatever it is, whatever this, <laughs> whatever this is, thing is that we do <laughs> the podcast, I should say. Um, I just want to say big thank you to uh, Ginger and Corbeck Jane <laughs> who <laughs> contributed so much uh, information, not just to this one yeah. episode, but all of the episodes. Um, every time we asked for su- right. uh, submissions from our Patreoner um chat it was a lot of them uh really putting their two cents in and uh i just want to say uh thank you and this is another episode that's going to have a lot of their views in it kind of mixed with uh me and matt's eye basically right right yeah so uh they, they've they've been the the absolute like main uh talking people jumping in uh, I, i'd throw pink in there too i think pink generally uh is on the back end uh, top errata person. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. believe she's in the uh, uh, one of our Patreoners, but always contributing on the on the back half. But on that front end, our Patreoners who do pre errata, Corbett, Jane, and Ginger always have basically an essay to send us right. when we when we call for pre errata. So right. we definitely build off of their frameworks uh, and and try to add as much as our own stuff as we can. Let's dive into some overview. Let's talk about what the Benny Gesserit actually have and start with uh they are super weird in terms of their board presence at the beginning of the game yeah um they start with one in the polar sink and everything else out 19 in the reserves now technically that's just the base game the the normal rules and then once you play with uh the uh, advanced game rules uh you also get one fighter or advisor basically anywhere else you can put it where somebody else is and make it an advisor or you can put it anywhere and make it a fighter uh, yes. we'll get into the difference between fighters and advisors but basically you can put a force somewhere on the map uh isn't there um, some sort of trigger for when you place it though it's like after fremen yes places? after the fremen uh after the fremen place you get to put your kind of other person down on yeah. the board yeah i didn't even remember that they place an order but it's yes. weird i was even confused in reading it if it's like does this supersede the one in the po- polar sink i'm honestly not even confident in my assumption that you get one in the polar sink and one somewhere else uh i'm never confident about anything in dune uh, uh i'm not, yeah I, i've anytime, been spurned before anytime we've had to read the rule book it has uh not been uh not been super obvious, and I don't know <laughs> if you can kind of feel our tone and energy when it comes to the rule book, but we are not 
we are not super happy with it i would yeah. say uh the benny Gesserit also start with five spice which is a paltry sum for the start of the game but it's sure. enough i'll say that much it's enough to get off the ground yeah. um their leaders are the best easily um in, numerically right uh, you have five fives uh obviously you don't have the higher peaks that some of the other factions have right you have no valleys and more importantly, because they're all the same number, I want to even throw it out here right now. Those leaders are awesome because it's just like extra rare that somebody has your traitor yeah. as the Benny Gesserit. With with you being all fives, you could play any leader, and it's it's way more than any other faction. It's just a roll of the dice if they have your traitor or not. Um, you have a bit of security in the idea that like, eh, just play one. Don't you can't sweat it too much. Um, I don't know why someone like, would keep your traitor, like if they drew yeah. it. It just well, doesn't if make you just had not like, great ones. I mean, it is still a five. Like you can share sure. Benny Gesserit, but the point is, they're, it, they're not obviously keeping one over another. So you might as well just, just you just use them. You just can't go into it with any. There's no stress level of using a leader because at the end of the day, it's a total crapshoot if they have one of your. I would never pick a BG traitor though i mean i I definitely would if if it was if it was my highest number car i mean if every if i literally got like everybody else's threes and twos i'd keep the bg5 but yeah if i'm getting i'm not gonna be able to uh, there's gonna be no predict predicting what they i can't mind game it at all i can't like try and force a situation like there's no i don't know there's just no logic to it and and that is a big bummer um they only have one free revival during the uh revival step which is, meh, but I mean, th- these free revivals, I actually don't even take that seriously because it's a difference of one or two uh, or three sure. in the case of Fremen. So it's it's pretty negligible and they have a lot of things that are going to override this. But I mean, it's it's worth pointing out. You only have you, you have slow revival when you're on your own. Uh, let's get into the real abilities, though. Uh, their first thing, which is kind of the most fun part of them as a faction in terms of just like looking at this game dune mechanically and crazy stuff that it decides to do with right, its factions right. their prediction ability is the coolest thing it's hilarious I've, it's one me. of the coolest things i've ever seen in a board game uh, yeah. in terms of just like what impact it can have on the game um basically after setup you predict a faction and a round number and if that fi- faction wins in that round number oops you win instead haha <laughs> got you right um so that's fun. It, it's definitely a thing that cannot be always relied upon. Mm-hmm. Um, but boy, it's fun every time it happens. And it's it's kind of like a if you're within two rounds of that window, yeah, you can set up for it. If you predicted like Space and Guild in round eight, you're not thinking about that in round three. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's, yeah. that's too early to... You're not setting up some amazing, grandiose plan that leads to Space and Guild winning in eight. But in round seven, you might be like, all right, let me make sure Space and Guild's in a kind of interesting position. And then round eight, I'm just going to totally throw it for them and win instead. Yeah, um, right. That's significantly more likely. Um, yeah. But uh, I think the general advice here is don't, don't play too much into it. Um, obviously, there's timing when you want to mess with it, but I, it's a set it and forget it for me until those, those couple of rounds leading up to. Sure. Yeah. The moment that there I'm might, uh, an opportunity might pre- pre- present itself. Yeah. Um, I almost said prevent itself, which makes no <laughs> sense. But uh, also I would say that maybe the way to think about prediction is more about your, um, your group of players that you have, you know, yeah, like it's less, right. it's not so much analysis paralysis, like which faction wins the most or whatever. Cause that would be you, I think. Um, yeah. Uh, right. But 
if you're like, oh, well, you know, Matt, Matt's the best that we have in our group, <laughs> Matt Martin's uh, best, best TIN Doom player of all time. Um, Barfo. Yeah. Uh, then you pick Matt and you set, you know, what's Matt's favorite number? Um, six. So then it would be Matt on on round six, and a lot of times you'll win a lot of games that way, actually. <laughs> Just because you're predicting your the, so if if you're playing on Tabletop Simulator and you're up against Corbeck Jane and four other people you don't recognize the name <laughs> of, predict Corbeck Jane, and that's it. And you'll probably <laughs> have a pretty good shot at beating him. You'll probably win because uh, that's just what's going to happen. to Sure. You. Uh, I um, want I want to throw this out here. What I've always dreamed of, though, what I think would be the most hilarious thing is predicting someone that ends up being your alliance partner that you then right. win with them except for Anyways, they don't win right now i guess yeah, or is that even how that works I, that's how I it should forgetting. work yeah that's how it um, works for me right well let's uh so the other the other wackadoodle ability that they have well there's there's two more like really crazy actually geez there's quite a few more yeah they've got but but uh, the, the, the next major one that we have to talk about is the voice. The voice is your combat ability. This is in the in the base game and in the advanced rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it is let's I'm going to read it out because the voice is actually like really kind of specific. And to be able to talk about it, we need that exact wording. Yeah, sure. Uh, you may voice your opponent to do as you wish with respect to one of the cards they play in their battle plan. For instance, to play or not play a specific weapon, poison weapon, projectile weapon, or laser gun, or defense, snooper, or shield, a worthless card, or a cheap hero. If your opponent cannot comply with your command, they may do as they wish. And that last sentence there is actually a pretty crucial sentence that changes this ability from a lot of what I just said to really only one of the things I said, which is uh, you should always just say don't play something there's yes. very few instances where you should say play something right uh i, I mean basically if atreides is your ally uh, or you have like obvious intel then you can there are situations where you would say oh play this card but you are almost always better off saying don't play because if you say play something and then they don't have that card they don't have to do anything they can, they can do whatever they want uh but if you say don't play they can't play it. That's that just always it. That works. Always, yeah. That's always that's hundred percent true. Always. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, this is especially important when it comes to uh, like with leader killing. If you if you get an early weapon, uh, you can if it let's say it's a projectile, you can say don't use shield, and you will basically always kill their leader uh, yep. no matter what it is. Yeah. Um, if you get an early defense, you can say don't use. A projectile because you uh have you know the the poison or whatever like you can you can block the opposite and it basically is a way for uh benny jesuit to kind of always guarantee a pretty significant upper hand uh in any battle uh you match that with uh, an always five cost leader uh and i think this was pointed out by uh ginger maybe uh was Basically, anyone who fights against you has to assume they must use seven strength worth of, of forces to beat you because you have one of your forces and a five strength leader and you're probably mm-hmm. going to take out their leader. So everybody who wants to fight you has to always over like outnumber you is kind yep. of the only yep. way to reliably stop a Benny Gesserit. So true. So true. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot. This is this is such a weird guide to do because it's. The community, I feel like at this point, 
just knows all of this. Like everybody has now seen like it's been a while now since Dune has has been out to the broader community yeah, that is yeah. learning it for the first time. I mean, obviously, Dune's been around forever, but there's like this whole new rush of people learning it. Um, but now, like there's lots more games in and I think a lot of the stuff is just stuff people know. Right, but um, we're talking to the people that don't know. You know what I mean? If you don't know nothing, uh, let's let's get into the rest of the advanced game stuff, shall we? Uh, some of sure. these things are really basic, uh, like uh, Chome Charity. You you get two always, which is just a nice... You, you get a Pretty steady cool. supply of income um, that nobody else can quite rely on. Uh, you we, we talked about this earlier, but technically it's only an advanced game rule to do the extra placement after the Fremen go. Um, and... They're Karamas. Uh, there's going to be a lot to talk about with this, actually, but I, I just want to mention it here. Y you, They don't have a Karama ability of their own with the Karama card. Mm -hmm. uh, their Karama ability is actually like the inverse, which is that all worthless cards operate as a Karama card for them. Yeah. But it's all the normal abilities that a Karama can do, which means uh, either getting a treachery card for free, paying half price to the bank for units, or canceling someone else's ability. Um Hunter, what are your what are your thoughts on uh, this as an ability? I know the community has some thoughts, but I'm curious what your sure. What your um, take on I mean, is. I think this is uh, so. It feels like there are like kind of two types of factions in Dune. Um, for the most part, there are um, factions that have good economies, um, but they either you know don't have great leaders or like they have middling leaders mm -hmm. um, with no um, abilities that help them like win swing fights basically or you have right. these factions that are like not as good economically but they have very good abilities that allow them to swing fights um the worthless card being used as a karama meaning that you can basically use it to buy a treachery card for free after like doing all kinds of bidding shenanigans yeah. um or you can get a cheap shipment um all of uh all of all of those b abilities for you basically mean that um that you kind of have an economic edge in a weird yeah. way. So you're kind right. of the only one that gets like an awesome ability that can swing fights wildly. And you also, because of the worthless cards, you kind of um, can can get ahead in the mid game. You, you have a slow start economically and there's no yeah. real way around that. But with mm. the fact that you get Chum Charity always and then worthless cards you can use in pretty wild uh, ways means that... Um, yeah, you're just not as dependent on that. In fact, I'll just go ahead and quote Ginger. Uh, Ginger says, Karamas are great for win-making or canceling abilities, but also instantly solve one of your problems, spice, starvation. And I yeah. totally agree with that. This is, this is working in two ways, too. Uh, th there's what you're all what you're just saying is like, hey, you can just use the Karamas to, to cancel out needing uh, that much spice because you're just going to get stuff for free. But Ginger also has an extra point here about Karamas and how it helps helps you economically, which is to say uh, you can sit there and threaten Karamas all day or withhold playing a Karama uh, mm -hmm. to to get money. Like you you can extort the whole table. You can blackmail the whole table all day long. Anytime someone's in some other fight, Atreides uh, needs to do a, a, a prediction. You can say, hey, Atreides, I'm going to cancel your ability unless you give me two spice, eight spice. 12 spike, like whatever it is, like find opportunities when everyone's trying to pull off their stuff and you can threaten a worthless, you're going to have worthless cards pr pretty likely. There's there's a good number of them in there and you're they're going to come to your hands, I bet. Right. Um, and so you get to like really threaten and make some big spice gains by, by using this tactic of just like 
threatening and blackmailing all the other opponents another uh, thing when they most need it another thing i want to bring up about the this ability that makes me feel very comfortable as a player um when i play benny jesuit is that i know going into a bidding phase like for example uh you know, a round one bidding phase or round two mm-hmm. bidding phase where it's generally a little bit tougher uh, to, to, to get a card if you only have, you know, you only start with five spice. Um, what's nice is the pressure is kind of off as far as yep. what you end up with. Generally speaking, if you bid uh, a reasonable amount of spice, a spi- uh, an, an amount of spice that you're willing to pay, you're going to get a card and it's going to be useful for, for you. That's not yep. true for the other factions. The other factions, they might spend spice and the, oh no, I ended up, I spent five spice and I got a worthless card because I got right. like, you know, basically punked by Atreides. Atreides psyched me out and got me to pay yeah. more spice for something that ended up being literally worthless to, to me. But you don't have to worry about that as Benny Jesuit. I mean, I would say like there's, you can still end up with cards that are not very useful to you. Um, but like, it, I mean, the, the number one bummer card to get is not a bummer for you. Right. So that's great. This is the third instance of a thing in the in the meta of this game that doesn't affect you. Yeah, just the doesn't lead, apply. The being afraid of traitors doesn't really apply. The Karamas, the worthless cards, doesn't apply. The right. voice being able to like specifically tell someone what they can and can't play in a battle the 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 tricks that they can pull don't apply. Like they they basically get to go into this whole game of uncertainty with way more certainty than anybody yes, else. Yes, way way more stability than a yeah. lot of the other factions get. Um, so let's get into the really wacky uh, stuff. And honestly, I think Hunter and I are not even especially uh, going to be verbose about like what we have to say about advisors. Um, I think advisors are great and they're useful, and I don't. Th- think we really even plan to get into too many of the like weird crazy tricks you could do with advisors i think there's a couple really staples you could do but it's also kind of an unlimited tool in your arsenal of like i don't know there's a million ways you could do this but let's talk about just like the most basic strong aspects of advisors so first off what are advisors uh your tokens have two sides to them there's like the normal side that everybody else's looks like and then when you flip them over it's got little hashes through it and that's the advisor side uh and essentially whenever any other faction ships forces to dune from off planet that's very important that means non-fremen shipment uh you may ship one free advisor from your reserves into that same territory instead of the polar sink you could also send them to the polar sink but basically when other people ship you can drop a person on the board which means you have a bunch of free shipment you just aren't getting to actually really choose where they go to you have to go where they go right Um, these advisors are tokens that are on the board that are not affected by most game effects uh they are not in combat they won't prevent control they can't uh use ornithopters um the only things that they are actually susceptible to are storms sandworms explosions and atomics those are the those are the four things that advisors can actually be touched by and everything else they basically break all the rules and they just exist as little ghosts in the background yeah and the whole thing that you can do with fighters uh, or advisors is you have two ways to to activate them basically um you can flip them from advisor to fighter when you move them out of a territory that they are hiding in So if you move out to a new place, you can flip them. Or uh, on each turn after the spice blow and nexus phase, before shipment, 
in all territories in which you have advisors and wish to battle, you can announce you are doing so and flip all your advisors. So before anybody else moves, you can flip over your advisors. And that's going to yeah. be a big thing that we talk about that's here in a huge. second. But the general idea is you put units on the board and they're not actually playing Dune until you decide they're playing Dune. Yeah. Everybody else is always playing Dune, but your forces just kind of hang out on the board until you decide it's time to do something about they're, it. They're like ghosts that can like become, you know, that can go from their ghost form to like a physical right. form. Um, I do want to I want to add one thing to what you said earlier, Matt, um, of the two exception. There are actually two exceptions of when people ship that you actually don't get to plop down an yeah. advisor. There's Fremen in total. And then when the Spacing Guild does cross planet ship. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they, that, that is like the main reason. I think in the Spacing Guild episode, we were even like, why would they ship as movement? Like that was a thing of like, oh, you could you can do that as the Spacing Guild. And at the time I was like, I don't understand why I would like opt to do to do that it seemed kind of like a hard thing to find the exact timing for it but this is exactly it it's like hey i need to avoid the benny Gesserit being sure freaking yes. thorn in my side yes um so what are we doing with these units that are like in in theory getting like really spread out all over the board now remember you always have the option to drop in the polar sink and that's actually an important part of all of this is mm -hmm. the polar sink is nice and centrally located it's never hurt by the storm um you actually, I think for a lot of the game, you probably will be dropping units in the polar sink. Um, but Hunter, where is your uh, favorite place to end up with advisors? Well, so you're trying to get advisors in uh, strongholds um, mm. for a lot of, I mean, for like a crazy amount of different reasons. But I'll, I'll talk about the two mo most obvious strongholds first. Uh, if we have an advisor in Carthag and uh, Arakeen, then we have options when it comes to getting ornithopters. We can flip right. uh, our one witch, and then now we have ornithopters so that we can use any of the witches that we've gathered at the Polar Sink to basically attack most all, but not every stronghold. Uh, there's yeah. one stronghold that cannot be reached from the Polar Sink with uh, ornithopters, yeah, but we can also use it to block the wind. Like we can do, right. it's crazy how many things we can so use that, And that is the other major reason. So I, I think the, the number one strategy we're going to say, at least starting off, that you should employ uh, is to get, and th this is something that Corbett Jane kind of opened our eyes to, but uh, the... the uh, the obviousness of it becomes really clear. Uh, Corbett Jane says, once you have one witch in a stronghold, don't put any more there. Uh, this gives you the most flexibility. You can flip and sacrifice single tokens to get thopters or stop a win attempt or do a laser gun shield explosion. Mm -hmm. I think this extends to a few other things, which is to say, get one in every single territory. Like we said earlier, people have to plan to send seven units to fight you. You are the, you are by far the most defensive faction right in the game right um, maybe even offensive as well but but definitely defensively you just have a single unit in every stronghold at any moment if somebody else needs that string stronghold you can do two different things one is you flip it and you fight the person that's there kick them off and they're not going to win the game the second thing is you can flip that witch and prevent someone else from moving into that stronghold let's say you know harkonnen is on carthag and i have one witch there uh, that is a, just an advisor well Maybe Harkonnen's not about to win, but you can see the Emperor is about to make the big move, or like Spacing Guild is about to make the big move to take enough different uh, strongholds to win the game. Well, if I flip my one witch before anybody else is allowed to ship, mm -hmm. that is now means there's two factions in Carthag. Oh, you don't get to go there. You yep. just don't. You just don't get to ship there. I block your win without having to do anything. Yeah, and. 
I get to kill a bunch of Harkonnen units <laughs> in the meantime. Right. Like, it's it, it's got double purposes. It's pretty ridiculous, their ability to stall out the game. And I think in the end, that's, the, that's in our view, like, the number one power that they have. I wouldn't say they're to the same degree as Spacing Guild and Fremen, where they're literally trying to stall it out to the very last moment. Obviously, they don't have an endgame win condition. Um, but they are stalling the game out until a moment arises where they can latch onto a win. Totally. Um, I want to point out, uh, so Corbeck Jane mentions at the end there, um, the the Laskan shield explosion, mm-hmm. uh, they are uniquely set up to do that. And that actually would be a case, I think, where using the voice positively yes. does make sense. If you know for a fact someone has a shield and you have a Laskan, you can use your one witch and say you must use shield yep. and then bam, there's they Guaranteed. have no way around that. Uh, that is uh, going to happen, which is crazy because yeah. shield is such a common card. Everybody has a shield. So if you end up with a last gun, you basically can just like suicide bomber one witch and that's all you have to risk. If you have a worthless hero as well, you might not lose anything right. in that last gun explosion, yeah. really. It's so, pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Um, the the other thing too, this is a little minor point, but uh, Hunter, you brought this up and it's, a, it's an interesting point we haven't really seen talked about much elsewhere, but Carthag really specifically is kind of an interesting territory. Right. So um, when it comes to getting Thopters, I feel like um, in general, Arakeen probably makes more sense for the kind of uh, just like, I'm just going to flip one witch over just so I get uh, Thopters for a second, because if you don't have a worthless hero... Uh, losing one of your heroes to Harkonnen, I actually feel like bumps Harkonnen up a notable yeah. amount. Uh, right. The I fact feel like that they could steal, they could they could capture one of yours is a, is a pretty major. Yeah, their threat. their leader, the way their leaders are so lopsided in that they have like really good leaders, but that like overall, if you added up their points, aren't that great. But like another five with those leaders is exactly the type of thing that mm-hmm. I feel like Harkonnen needs. Um, and that's more of an early game note. I feel like overall. Yeah. Than, but just right. something to remember. I feel like round one, if you need Thopters for some reason, which sounds a little hasty, or uh, maybe round yeah. two, uh, if you need Thopters, I feel like uh, Eric Keen is the one to go for because they're just not not as scary, I feel right. like. Yeah. Um, is there any stone we've left unturned here? Or is this, I feel like this covers a lot of the like the super basic stuff with Benny Gesserit before we get into the mess or is it a mess with alliances? Maybe it's like the cleanest. <laughs> it might be the yeah, cleanest. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the work honestly. we've kind of already done when it comes to alliances. Yeah. Um, so everything that we just got done talking about, there are so many different ways to play this, and I'm really get I'm really glad Corbeck Jane sent us that one very kind of solid nugget yes. of the idea of you have your advisors in you know like one in every um, uh, stronghold. And you're really just using them for a couple different purposes, blocking and then grabbing thopters if you need it. Whereas in the meantime, you're just trying to stack up on the polar sink to use that stack to make big plays. I feel like everyone can kind of get that. That, That's very like understandable. This is, however, not the only way to use these abilities at all. And it gets kind of weird and goes pretty deep. But I think for the purpose of our show, this very kind of graspable strategy, I think is the number one thing we're just going to recommend that you go for as a new It's a good starting point. And then you'll figure out the rest kind of as you go. Because obviously there's situations where maybe the Bene Gesserit does want to go look for spice and go hunting for spice. I'm not specifically recommending that because again, like we talked about earlier, they actually, their economy isn't in dire straits. So you might be able to get away from it. It just kind of, it really all depends on like the early cards that you end up with more than well i mean you know i i could make i could make up uh a situation where like let's say 
um, you're not, <laughs> and this is weird to say, but let's say you're not getting any worthless cards or Karama cards. Yeah. So if we're saying like, well, part of what makes your economy work is that, you know, you can use Karama a lot yeah. more frequently than other factions. Well, if you're not getting access to that, you might be pretty spice starved. Let's say we're about to start talking about alliances. Let's say the richer people don't want you for some reason. I don't know. I don't know why that would happen, but maybe that <laughs> happens. Um, and so you're just kind of resource starved. Then yeah, you might have to start hunting spice basically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's get into it. Let's get into alliances and the big, the big, hurdle to climb here is the fact that in every single guide we have done so far uh what we have said is the Benny Gesserit are basically your best option uh, yeah but did was it actually in every single one we said they were number one is that um, what we said i think it, they're it like was, number it one or number two most of the time number one or tied for number one sure <laughs> basically yes. in almost every situation maybe except for harkonnen but even then no not really they're they're still up there basically they always rank highly what is their alliance power you give your ally the ability to also use the voice just uh, so straight up huge, just exactly yeah, the it. way you use it like yeah yeah uh and and that that just means everybody wants that because everybody wants to be able to ensure fights like that's how good that ability is um obviously what they're also gaining from you as an ally is the idea that between the two of you, you can very easily lock down lots of other territories. You can stop other people's wins, or at any moment, you as the Bene Gesserit can jump on like one or two territories yeah. uh, and like be that big game-winning swing, right? That This is like the faction that is the best at, I came in with not that many units, uh, but I came out of nowhere because I flipped a thing on uh, Arakeen, got my Ornithopters, jumped from the Polar Seek to uh, one of the, you know, one of the sieges, and then made a big play and we won the game in round six or whatever. Yes. Like, this is the faction that does that. So not only are you getting your own big power, you're getting the ability to be a playmaker uh, with your ally. So... What? Who do you want is the bigger question right. and, here. And this is similar to last start... week's Emperor episode, which is we kind of said the same thing last week with the Emperor. Is like everybody kind of wouldn't mind having you, but who do you want the most? Right. Well, what I want to make, the point I want to make before we get into the specifics of each faction, and I'm this section by section, I feel like there's not a lot to say like there has mm -hmm. been in yep. a lot of the other episodes. There's not a lot of super specific considerations, even like, you know, the... Corbeck Jane and, and Ginger, I feel like, didn't have as many specific things as they would normally have. Right. And I think in the end, like this is just Hunter talking here, I think that it might be better to think about, especially as a newer player, who is the strongest player at your table? Like yeah. it, it, either situationally because right. of how the game has played out. Oh, so-and-so is doing the best right now. Well, they probably want the voice, so yep. they could probably they use your ability because it's the I am best. the best faction at helping them lock in a win, so let's go ahead and finish let's this off. Let's do it. Yeah. The likelihood that they're going to want you as a, an ally is really high, and I think that's, yep. you should make that clear to them, especially if they're a newer player, but I think that also kind of defeats my point here because on a meta level, who is the most experienced player at your table? Why not? Right. What, what, did they, don't they want it? They should probably want that. <laughs> they probably, and so, they know they know they want it. So. <laughs> so I actually think that maybe the considerations for Benny Gesserit are a little simpler um, and a little less about the specific details. But I mean, we have those here for you. Yeah. But I just wanted to yeah. say that from the onset, that maybe with BG, it's more like, who's the best? Uh, yep. whoever the best is they're going to be my partner because i have right. the best thing to offer and if they're the strongest player they're going to be my yeah. teammate yeah i would say this first one we're going to talk about is like 
is the only faction I can think of a reason that has a reason that has something that sets outside of that consideration. Sure, has some but other also extra consideration. Even, even this reason that you're about to throw out there is has some has little... a specific timing. Yes, Absolutely, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. So what we're talking about here is the emperor uh, and the emperor. Uh, you would gain the ability to do a bunch of free revivals. They get the voice. Uh, but the biggest thing, obviously, that you get out of the Emperor is uh, free cards. Um, if you didn't start your hand with a worthless card, you're not going to be able to use that worthless card to Karama into free treachery cards, which means Emperor, as a as your very first ally, is very good at helping you just quickly fill up your hand and have the stuff you need to do the rest of the game. Right, so, but so even though the, the knock on that, though, is... I don't know what do they have to do for you lately. You know what I mean? Like after right. that, like yeah. When that's done, I think you bail on them. <laughs> if you <laughs> if you two haven't set up for a win in round like four or five, that's when you bail on the emperor and see who else is in a strong position or whatever. The emperor but, is like you in that in that everybody wants to be friends with the emperor until they don't need the emperor anymore. In which yep. case, it's like adios. Right. And everybody needs the Bene Gesserit at all times. Forever, but yeah. So from from their perspective, they just want the voice. They've got they've got big numbers. They've got big fights they can do. They can kind of drop at any point because they have lots of well, money. Well, they need, that they're they need saving. that ability because they they are one of those factions with a, a solid economy, um, yeah. a lot of lot of buddies to to drop. Right. Um, but those buddies don't have they don't have any teeth on them. They're just raw right. There's no numbers. There's no yes. trick, and and yeah. they need a trick. And the voice is the best trick. So of course right. they would love it. So for for my money, Emperor is the is the alliance you need when you need to get your cards online and when you're ready to do some targeted aggression. I think uh, when, I when, think when, one when, of either Ginger or Corbeck um, said that it was like they're your best first Nexus yes. ally. I think right. they even went so far as to say it that specifically. Like the first time yeah, Nexus yeah. comes out, this After is probably that, your best. Probably ally. not a best. Probably not your best option, but it right. is good early, and so you should look for that early on. And and, maybe and you know what? This, so this is our. This is one of my last opportunities to complain. I still do not like that the emperor gets to give out free cards. Yeah. I just want to say it. Don't like it. So if for some reason that goes away from the game. Then everything we just this said is, all different. Then is different. Okay, slightly <laughs> yeah. different. I mean, it's still sort of there, but it's very well. No, you know right. what? Very different. Um, yeah. So, and I am, you know, part of the. Uh, I have a proposition that I'm trying to get passed in the Gale Force Nine government. <laughs> that is, you know, prop, you know, whatever. Thirty eight. Um, no more emperor weirdness free of them stuff. giving out free cards. I just think that's weird. It doesn't make sense to me. It makes me mad. Anyways, let's move on. I yeah. guess. So. <laughs> the the next one is I, I would put these next two in their own little category. Uh, ba- basically, the, the the last four have two separate categories. You have Fremen and Spacing Guild, and then you have Atreides and Harkonnen, and they are both kind of gonna operate under the same wavelength. Uh, Fremen and Spacing Guild are your it's time to stall the game out. Uh, sure. Let's just keep let's just make this happen. Oh my gosh, they have the ability to get units on the board if we want them to, but the be- the best use for that is to just stall. From their perspective, they're using the voice and their best leaders to do big big hits and from your perspective uh first off let's talk about just the fremen the fremen are the one faction you don't get to ship advisors to so they're the one faction that are kind of actually under your radar uh, that you you don't get to deal with them as easily so what a what a wonderful solution to that problem than to just ally with them dude and Uh, with the the voice with the voice fremen are going to be able to hunt for spice like super effectively oh yeah like nobody's going to want to even harkonnen is going to think twice about challenging fremen with the voice right that math of like okay my one goat my my one uh 
my one unit uh, as the uh, Benny Gesserit plus my five leader means that they're they need they need a seven units right the other with thing the too fremen, is fremen with the fremen you have like a fadaiken cards, like and you point. have a seven you have you have stilgar right yeah. so they need 15 <laughs> to be able or that not sorry i did i did that math wrong they need like 11 to deal with you as a fremen with the voice it's ridiculous. Uh, so re- it's really super powerful i i think personally it's my favorite because i'm i'm a kind of player who's always looking to plug holes over everything else and i think being able to find an ally that you are already naturally opposed to is always a good thing well and um, i think fremen's your favorite i think it general. is i think it's your favorite faction so. yeah it, it's i i just find them so interesting um the spacing guild though is your other option of course you stall the game out uh they they certainly see you as a problem. They don't want your advisors in the way. Their whole opportunity thing is that they can jump in and do these attacks kind of whenever. Um, but if you, before any shipments haven't happened, turn your advisors into fighters and block them out of strongholds, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's going to stop their win like almost every single time. So right. it is sort of the same situation as the Fremen where they're just like, I absolutely can't have Benny Gesserit standing in my way. They're the only counter to my ability. Right. Um, so, of course, they want you. And... You want them around because that's how you're going to pull off that big last second shipment that somebody else did. Like your polar sink isn't the perfect landing pad for everything. Let's say Habanya Siege is crucial to your plan. Well, you're going to have to flip an advisor in one territory to lock it down, move everything from the polar sink to, I don't know, Carthag. And then you're going to have to ship to Habanya Siege to go lock that down. Sure. And Spacing Guild makes that super, super cheap. Um, I, I guess the one reason I don't love it is like all you need is a worthless card as a Karama ability to basically do that. Yep. You can get the half price, pay mm-hmm. it to the bank anyways. So it's not like the the greatest thing in the world, but it's obviously still quite very good to be able to do that anytime I'd, I'd, you want. I don't love it f- for the early game. Yeah. Um, But I think, it again, is a game like winner. If, yeah. And the other thing, always remember that with Benny Jezre, it probably just matters more where the game is at and how people are playing yep. then it even right. matters the, these considerations are probably yes. not as important as just like who's doing the best all right they're right. my friend yeah the big thing is you're not picking space and guild over fremen for any other reason than space and guild are doing better and vice versa for fremen. you're not picking fremen just because it's a more interesting thing it's like yep. who's doing better who's got the best chance mm-hmm. at winning mm-hmm. um i'll pick them and we'll do that so let's talk about that other side of the coin then um can we talk about harkonnen first yeah harkonnen sure harkonnen oops i did it again Um, hunter tell me about your gripes with harkonnen oh no i mean it's fine it's the so you know these last two factions these are the like doubling down on fighting um, right in such a way that it's very interesting um i think harkonnen uh in general their alliance ability is just not very good it's just right. not that useful it's not that there's nothing to synergize with when there's not much of an ability they don't have any synergy <laughs> with anybody if i'm frank yeah, like it's just exactly. like all of the synergy that harkonnen would have is it's kind of like the reverse of what we're talking about with benny Jezeret. Mm-hmm. it feels like harkonnen synergy is just like did they do good enough to earn the right to be to have a friend you know yeah. what i mean like it's like harkonnen needs to make sure that they're having a good game so that someone even feels like it makes sense uh to ally with them at right. all so um, I would say that it's kind of a, when you ally with either Harkonnen or Atreides early game, it's kind of annoying that you can't use um, Arakeen or Carthag for uh, ornithopters. ornithopters. That's yeah. obnoxious. And if you already had a witch there, um, which you probably do, then you're going to have to move that witch out. Otherwise, it's going to kill 
all of the people there, which isn't a huge deal, I guess, but it, well, it is kind of obnoxious. because then it's deal, like, yeah. like they have to move right away. Yeah. Um, and that's a movement for a turn. So that, that's a right. little bit annoying. I would say that both of them are not my ideal, like early game, uh, picks, but they might yeah. be a mid to late game pick. Yeah. The Atreides thing, though, is obviously way more lucrative. The yes. voice plus battle prescience is pretty ridiculous for what you're able to set Probably up. Probably the single best combination of like abilities yeah. to fight with. And add to that, knowing what all they have in their hands, like the voice becomes even more powerful if you know exactly what they have like let's say i mean let's say you're just in a situation i mean you already get to guarantee some fights but you can do a lot of extra stuff by just specifically knowing their hands you know who are the weak points to actually target and attack you you, you can yeah. control those sorts of things by knowing their hands and that makes the voice like triple powerful because you're 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 cutting off a lot of the surprises the you and atreides basically like we already talked about benny jesuit get to avoid a lot of the uncertainty you're alliance with atreides knocks out even more of that uncertainty yeah so you you two get to be a very confident combination the other thing too is this is if atreides trusts you too much and lets you see the book yeah their whole book if you get to look at the books completely then like you could easily backstab yeah. them in a nexus if they're not doing that well and basically keep all of that knowledge as long as the game right. doesn't go on too much further then maybe you and your new ally win on that round because you're just so precise yeah. with your you with your use of the voice it's like the efficiency that you'll have uh is uh pretty insane so yeah you know i i i think that this isn't a like a strategy I wanted to get into, but it seems interesting enough to just talk about here for a second. An early alliance with Atreides and Harkonnen is probably something that Atreides and Harkonnen shouldn't take you up on. Um, mm -hmm. Because in my view, there's... Okay, let's talk about the situation we were bringing up earlier of if I flip, if I flip a witch in a territory with you when I'm your ally, the whole rule of the game is one of us has to move out. Um to get to get out of that situation right yes. one of us if 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 that happens went out of a timing window or whatever one of us has to leave and if one of us doesn't leave the person who goes second if they don't leave they have to kill all their units in that territory yes so in my view maybe i'm wrong here i haven't seen enough people talk about this and maybe it, it to me it makes it seem like i'm having some sort of rules misinterpretation but in my in my head you can if you expect a new nexus is going to come up very soon you could, and if you know that your ally is going second, let's say you know you're going before Oof. Atreides and they're going for you. What you you're can about to flip, suggest is, I think, very, very dirty. Very you flip dirty. your witch, and then you don't move out, and then they either have to leave Arakeen or you nuke the place uh, with your with with the whole rule of them having to kill stuff. So. Right. Again, somewhere in there, I feel like I'm misinterpreting something. Maybe you just can't flip the wit, but there, I, I don't know. Regardless, it seems like Benny Gesserit has all the power in that relationship. I think that's really, point. I, I personally think that strategy, though, would be really risky because what you're basically yeah. saying is I am going to screw over the person I'm in an alliance with right away. I mean, you're doing this right out the gate. It's like the first thing you're doing. Um, yeah. So which means obviously they don't want to have anything to do with me at this point. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that other like, I mean, I guess maybe the voice is so good that people at the next Nexus are going to be like, yeah, I'll play with you, even though like, because yeah. I mean, the problem, the problem with what you're describing is if you do this to your first ally, you're yeah. likely going to be able to do this to your second ally. So yeah, are they really going <laughs> to risk their game like to ally with you? Because who knows yeah. you're you the meta 
against you, I feel like at that point is going to be it's going to um, be very bad, very bad. And and I would yeah. I would hate to be at a table with a player that did that. I would be so annoyed. Yeah. But it does seem like interpreting the rules currently. I feel like that's what it is. Yeah, but you know, know, if there's if there's one thing we've learned is that you can play Dune. Uh, quite a few times you can talk about Dune for hours yeah. on a podcast and then still find new rule things that right. you just don't understand. Well, and at the end of the day, too, the the designers, especially like the core designers, they don't care. They don't care what you do. <laughs> Play it how you want. Man. Right. It's right. Not, that's not well, their that's whole the, that's, vibe. That's yeah, not even their I, like, I agree. thesis. That's so the, the culture of this game and the way that it has evolved and the, has made it so that like it's a kind of a hodgepodge of of rules out there. Yeah, uh, this is not first. like TI four. This is not yeah. someone coming in and being like, like kind of cutting it down yeah. to it's the the kind of best version of it to be played. Right. Um. Like like Chef Dane has done. <laughs> um, but instead, it's kind of like here's here's it's kind of a greatest hits album. You know what yeah. I mean? And like right. some people think that there are B sides. That are better than the stuff yeah. on the greatest. Well, hits, and now and they, they want to play we with those even sides, and that's about, fine. We haven't even talked about that. There's an expansion that has been announced, and there's two new factions coming in that are basically they are factions that used to exist, but like also those factions may have been fan ex- factions at one point. I don't really understand the full history of it, but like it's just they're just doing what they want, man. It's just whatever, man. Yeah. This is the seventies. Come yeah. on, this is the seventies. Cool. Uh, let's talk about uh, at, at the very least, like one round, one strategy, or at least what we're trying to do when we to get off to a good start. Which is, you start with five uh, spice. You should get a card early. Ideally, maybe you could find a way to afford two cards. I think that's pretty rare uh, in in a round one. I think everybody's really mm-hmm. willing to spend kind of maybe a premium on cards. But if there's a way that one card's going to go for like two or three. Of course you want that. I mean, that's true for anybody, but you're probably only getting one card um, and it's worth it to get that one card because again, like Hunter said earlier, you're not going to get a bad card. Everything's yep. good for you. And then my number one thing in the first two rounds is ship those advisors everywhere that everybody else is shipping. Right. Everyone's trying to like establish some territory in, in the early game and you need to you need to drop them at every opportunity you can because there's a lot of situations where maybe um, uh, Harkonnen and, and Atreides don't ship to Carthager Arakeen round one or something. So you're waiting for the first opportunity for that to happen. Like you want, you absolutely need to get those advisors in strongholds as fast as possible. Right. Just so you have that safety net. Um, outside of that, you know, it's, it's whatever it's normal stuff. Get in polar sink, maybe go for spice blow if it's close, but probably not too much of a focus on that. Um, only, only the easier fights, I would say mm-hmm. um, you obviously can, can take the fights. Um, so just, you know, I, I think the main thing is getting advisors in strongholds at every conceivable opportunity. Yes, just for the the flexibility of it, not even so much about being aggressive. It's just like yeah. there's op- it opens up uh, your options. Uh, do we want to talk about weaknesses? <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna. This is normally a thing where I would have like a bullet point in our in our show notes of like let's talk. This is where when Hunter and Matt talked about weaknesses, um, but it doesn't seem worth it to put a thing that's only gonna last like five seconds. Um, they're slow to start. Sometimes, maybe sometimes it could be kind of slow at the beginning, That's um, about it. but it's not so bad that it's slow to start. I mean, right. I, you know what I think I, I'm, I'm going to just kind of audible right here. I think a weakness of them. One thing it seems like they can't do under any circumstance is win early. Yeah. A I lot of hard. games don't really play out that way anyway. So I feel like it's just not that big of a deal. I, I yeah. don't see a lot of Dune games where somebody wins in round one or round two. That seems yeah. like a like more of a fun possibility 
than like uh, something you can go for. That only happens. Yeah, that happens when you play with new players and they screw up, and you're sure. a really mean, <laughs> experienced <laughs> player. That's like, look what I can do to these nerds. Shove them under your thumb. Or, kind of or thing. like the order of of things played out really well for yeah. you, and then lucky. you kind of got lucky with. It's a one of those things fights. where if that's gonna happen, like you're all gonna play a second game anyways because you've only been playing for fifteen sure. minutes. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's like, oh, why would you even relish in that? But um, I, it it feels impossible for many Jesuit. Um, and just also just kind of contrary to their whole vibe and thing. Yeah. There's a lot of factions where, I mean, like, I don't think Emperor can do it either, but, uh, uh, and even Space and Guild, I don't think they can do it. Really, it's yeah. just Atreides and Harkonnen, I think that could maybe win early. Yeah. Uh, that's a weird thing for me to just say like that. I'm probably wrong there. No, uh, Fremen can do it. Fre- Fremen, I think. Oh, are the main, sure. Fremen are the main people that, that pull that off. You're right. You're- I don't know. I think both of us are out of our depth right now. I'm sure... That there are many, that there are a couple very specific strategies where different factions sweep the leg, Johnny. Let's talk about uh, Arata from the last yep. Dune yep. episode. There's not much. Uh, turns out, Hunter, we're freaking good at Emperor. Turns out we're really freaking smart and genius. Sure, I guess about so. Emperor. Yeah. No, whatever. Uh, we've got this one from Pink. Uh, and Pink says the Fremen work well for the Emperor because mm-hmm. Fremen need. No spice with an emperor ally, so they can just give the emperor all of the spice they have collected. This is not something Hunter and I thought of. I mean, we obviously knew that like that spice relationship is is really a kind of a big deal for the two of them, but I hadn't even considered the idea of like Fremen should just give all of their spice to emperor. They right. should be out collecting spice and then immediately handing it to the emperor for the emperor to get more units on the board. Because it makes the, sense. If if the emperor are paying are getting all the cards for free for Fremen. And Fremen and Emperor are replenishing lots of Fremen's units, six units per round, for pretty cheap. Uh, like, you don't need... The Fremen don't need any of the money in that relationship. Mm-hmm. So they just go out spice hunting for the Emperor, and the Emperor get to cash in. Uh, love it. <laughs> love, love that it. idea. Love Another it. Another reason why Fremen is, I think, my favorite faction in, yeah. this, in this game. That is, a, that is a very cool idea. Um, well, Matt. <laughs> well, Hunter. This is we uh have, this is it. Kind of it. We have we have a we have a note here in and, our in our outline of this guide. Uh-huh. And it and it just this is what it says. It says we're done with Dune. Yeah. Um and I I wonder how we exp- what do we say to people about that? What do we talk what do how do we explain this? Oh, uh, well, what do you mean? I mean, we did we did we did what we said we would do, which is that we true. we covered uh we covered the six factions. We talked about them at length um and i think we learned a lot about what type of game dune is and mm-hmm. who uh dune is for and yeah. i i think that dune I, I think that right now me and you have a feeling of not really wanting to play dune actually i mean if we're yeah. being honest we're, we're i'm not trying to be I, I i'm not trying to turn this into like a uh, we're not negative people. We really just yeah. like to talk about, we talk about the things that we like yeah. uh, almost exclusively. And there's a lot, I think, that drew us to Dune that we liked about Dune. But I also feel like maybe we've kind of learned that Dune isn't the perfect type of game for the types of content that we want to do and also the, the yeah. deepening of our... Um, uh, of our process, uh, yeah. Dune is not super compatible with that. 
Yeah. What what I learned with June and this experiment of doing another game is well, first first I should say I still kind of like Dune. Um, but the doing issue this now episode is, made me want to play it again. Actually, yeah, it made me want to play. The big issue Desert is bad. everybody else I know uh, loathes it. <laughs> everybody in Northwest <laughs> Arkansas doesn't even just like. They're not even like you, Hunter, where you're like, ah, oh, so we just kind of met. They're like, oh, I hate that. I hate that stupid, awful board game. Yeah. And I definitely don't feel that way about it. And I think they're being kind of extreme uh, when they say that. But it does make it very hard for me to play it and uh, get tests of it and, and like have a good time with it when everybody I'm playing it with is being kind of a curmudgeon about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, that obviously lessens the impact it has on my life and how much I want to interact with it. And, and, and we talked about it earlier, but the, the rule book truly is a difficult thing for us as a show yes. to deal with because we are talking about strategies and, 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 you know, we get into thematics and stuff, but like th- there is a piece of how Dune was written that doesn't work well with our show. It's hard to say absolutes when a lot of things don't end up being as absolute or the answers you get for questions are very just like, oh, whoa, wait, so it does work like that? What in the world? Like, they just yeah. let the game get busted wide open, which is cool and has really fun aspects, but it doesn't work with the kind of strategy that we talk about here. Yeah, so one thing I feel like that me and Matt cannot stand <laughs> is <laughs> the idea that it is acceptable for someone to kind of mess up the game. Yeah. Um and still play it, and that's fine. And I and I think we're dumb actually for that. Like I don't know why why we take this so seriously. When I think yeah. about it like this, I'm like, so what? Like you bought the game with your money, yeah. and so what? You mess up a couple rules. That's not a big deal. And yeah. it feels like the way the the rule book is structured is kind of with like a laissez faire attitude to that. Yep. Like so what? You mess up a couple interactions. Not a big deal. You get the general idea of Dune. Yeah. But when you're trying to speak about a game uh, on on this level uh, and on the record where yes, you want to be correct, part. yes, and and what what that means is that when we are trying to write these episodes, it has been kind of a pain because we are trying to make sure that the things we are saying is correct. And also there have been times where the community says it's one way, but we can't see in the yeah. rule book where the they're doesn't getting agree that. at all. There are yes. two different huge interpretations to it. Yes. And and I think what what we realized and I think we realized it probably about halfway through making all yeah. these episodes is that that's okay for this right. game. That that is what the, that is how this that's game what it is. This is how yeah. that's how this game even became the game that it is. Yeah. Is from people just kind of adding stuff to it and saying uh, you know what, that part of the rule book, I don't really care about that part. So right. we don't do that. And in fact, we do this other thing instead. That yeah. is how we got the game that we have. And this game has inspired so many games that we love. Um, but I do think that it it doesn't quite fit in in the same way that, that yep. other things do. Um, yeah. So uh, with that, I mean, until further notice, like we're we're not... We have no plans to cover the expansion that was a- announced. Uh, we don't really have plans to to dig any deeper with Dune. Uh, the big thing for us is when we did when we finished our Patreon uh, poll about game number two, uh, Dune and Root were basically tied. Yeah. And Hunter and I are super duper wicked crazy ready to start talking about Root. 
Uh, and I already know that my board game group is on board with Root. We play it actually pretty often still. And um, yeah, we're we're moving on to, I guess, game three. I mean, we basically can announce that. I mean, I, I don't have a date yet for you of when game three will kick off, but like that's our next that's our next project yeah is is yeah. is root we're gonna uh, we obviously are still working on the the bigger twilight imperium strategy guides the tournament isn't even done yet like there's a lot of ti stuff going on right now but now that secondary game uh we're gonna transition into root for for the next foreseeable future yeah uh and i'm really excited about it yeah, because i i do feel however you feel about i'm sure there's some people listening to this and they're kind of like maybe annoyed and i, and I would ask I, I would ask you to to I don't know, just to maybe kind of try and see it from our perspective a little bit. But Root as a rule book and as a game is is more built for for I think this type yeah. of content. That, that yeah. that's just kind of the 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 kind of uh, reality of it. It's not right. so much about taste even um, because like like Matt said, I don't like me and Matt are in our group kind of the two people that like Dune the most. Yes, but the rest of our group does not see it that way yeah and i think enjoy it if for me personally i think the way i feel about dune is there are some factions i like to play and some i don't yeah um basically which is how and and you know what i think that's what happens with dune groups i think dune is a perfect game for you and five other people play it decently often right you know you have a weekly game night you play you bring dune out once every two months yeah and and the six of you together learn your meta as a group together yeah but the difference was twilight imperium is something that's really interesting to see what other strategies completely different metas employ but dune is such a meta focused game that it requires you as a group to develop that meta over time together right um when when you play dune with someone who's better than you at dune it's not a fun experience. <laughs> it's they just wipe the floor with you and sure. the things they do don't even make sense because they're using rules that you didn't process when you read the rule book because the two pieces of information were 16 pages apart and yes. they were like, oh no, it's just exactly this and I can kind of prove it to you, but mostly you're just gonna have to take my word for it. And like, it just doesn't feel good. Um, and, and so, yeah, we, 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 have to, we have to move on from it. Um, yes. So yes. that's it. Um, yeah, and I hope, uh, I hope, uh dune is not i don't don't think of it this way don't think of it like oh you're never going to see us do dune content right. again it will probably, probably happen i'll probably yeah. throw uh stuff on uh galactic council uh polls that have to do with yes. dune every once in a while if there is like a new idea of something interesting to do but it's had kind of its time as like a a secondary focus of the show yes. and now i feel like Root is the next thing on the docket as far as that's concerned. And then, you know, honestly, I mean, we haven't we haven't done a, a poll about it, but you should expect uh, Oath content in yeah. the in the far future as well. What's nice about Oath is Oath will be a very different kind of thing that we approach because Oath doesn't have the same sort of the same style of competitive spirit. So that's right. like a whole that's just like a whole other thing. Like if anything I almost see Oath more as our YouTube Twitch side of stuff and sure. like it will sometimes bleed into the podcast but but honestly barely. Um it will be a lot of the other stuff. Mm, um, I bet hey, it will. I bet we'll no, talk I'm about sure, it. No, I'm sure I'm sure it will, but I don't think it will be in the way you're seeing with Dune and Root. I mean there's not yes. factions. It doesn't get broken down in the same way. So there'll just be nice fun kind of galactic councily type episodes of like oh let's Theory, just talk about episodes, let's talk about yes. Discord for a little bit. Let's talk about the Discord deck and what it means you know like yes. it'll be that stuff um 
hey, I want to give a thing here about tournament updates. We are four games through the semis. Uh, I'm not. We're not doing any like read throughs right now. I think what we'll do is kind of a a debrief after the semis. Mm-hmm. Um, there's basically last year we did this, and I think the plan is to do this again. We'll have an episode where we kind of interview all of our finalists and sort of talk about the road how yes. they got to this point. And so uh, we're not really doing like huge breakdowns. And the bigger reason for that too is. Every game is getting put it on YouTube. You should go watch the game. You should go watch the semis instead of us just telling you about yes. what happened in on this podcast. You should absolutely go watch those games because they so far every single one of them has been uh, unique, crazy, and like absolutely things unexpected in in so many different ways. Uh, every game has had a crazy finish. They all have like slightly different flavors too. Like game one, I would say is less meta. Yeah. Um. But there's a lot of really crazy uh, kind of positional stuff that happens in that game. Um, There is every game has some sort of moment in it that is so wild. Um, And I don't understand how that happens. Like (laughs) I I play I play TI all the time and like crazy stuff doesn't happen. And then all of a sudden we're like, okay, it's uh, now there's like some stakes and they're all just, met, you know, they're metaphysical stakes. Well, also, stakes. Hunter, they're all better than us. That's so. true. <laughs> yeah, a lot of uh, these these players are, are all uh, very talented, very fantastic yeah. players. Um, so yeah, game one, uh, already up on the YouTube. Check it out. Game yep. two, already up on the YouTube in its entirety. Yeah. Um, game three will, is my next project um, and you will see that in the coming days. After that, you'll see game four and then game five is Saturday night if you want to yes. watch it live on Twitch. Um, yep. And please do. that. It's been super fun broadcasting those. Um, what's in the hopper for the Galactic Council there, Hunter? Oh, sure. So um, Galactic Council, I just posted this, but the second round poll is up for the April episode. Um, we have two choices uh, that very clearly kind of took the lead. Um, we can either have an episode where we talk about all of the tournament data um, as kind of a recap of like, it's kind of a theory crafty idea of like, we look at the the data that we got from uh, a lot of the prelims. Yeah. Um, and we talk about things that we can extrapolate from that. Um, I think it would be kind of a windy episode where we would yeah. kind of talk about tournament stuff in general. Um, and then the other one is a theory crafty TI episode about experimental tech paths. Um, and if you watched uh, my Hunter Donaldson fan club uh, Twitch stream, you kind of know that I've kind of already got one uh, in my back pocket that uh, Mm -hmm. I didn't, I kind of spoiler, but I didn't win with it, but it was pretty successful. Uh, It was a uh, yellow red uh, PDS yin uh, faction that was really, uh, it was a really fun way to play yin uh, and it was super weird. And I, the only reason I think it had any success was my neighbor was Sar. Um, but it was yeah. very effective against SAR. That's potent. Yeah. yeah. So if you want to hear more theory crafty ideas of kind of weird tech paths, that's that's the other one to vote for. Um, uh, I want to thank our weird bears and space kitties. Uh, I want to thank uh, Fargonis. I want to thank TG Welch, and I want to thank Pon Shadori. And I also want to thank our space kitties, Naderade, Patience is a Virtue, Umar. Uh, Re- Polyphonial Requiem. I almost always mess that name up. Mm-hmm. I want to thank Julian R. Wise. I-, I have to officially change their name to Hippie Peace Turtles. Uh, Necro <laughs> Firewall has taken on a new moniker after many games of having the ire of the entire Goodyan Brotherhood against him. Uh, and he has now taken on a new... <laughs> a, a new, new personality. New personality. Uh, I'd like to thank Ivan and Gary. Thank you uh, to those new 
uh, new uh, space, space kitties. kitties. Yeah. yeah, very cool, very cool. Um, and yeah, check out, uh, I just want to say again, check out those semifinal games on the YouTube. Uh, yes. I made really cool uh, YouTube thumbnails. Oh, uh, those thumbnails really are so to, sweet. They look cool. And sweet I made them th- and, it, and, it, <laughs> and I, I'm learning to use Photoshop. <laughs> uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Space Cats Pod. If you'll leave a review on Apple Podcasts and iTunes, uh, that increases visibility, gets more people talking about the games we talk about. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and please join our discord the link is in the description for this show but that discord has all kinds of crazy stuff going on uh, especially right now during the tournament yeah uh, so this is a great time to be in the discord because there's yeah a and, lot and hunter about. and i are about to start picking up the amount of games of root we start playing and i think mm-hmm. a, a fair amount of that will end up being on the discord uh, yep. likely with uh goodian brotherhood players uh but that always kind of ends up leaking down the page. You know, sometimes it's like, oh, shoot, we're going to start a game in a half hour. Who's yep. available? Yep. And we just sort of start hitting up the whole Discord. So if you want to be around for Root or TI games here coming up, get on that Discord. Hey, thank you. Hey, thank you. Hey, thank, thank you. You know what? Can I can I do this? Yeah, go ahead. How about thank you to like Bill Eberly and thank you to oh, Peter Olatka. Uh, and the, just the whole team that like originally put together this game. I'm just now forgetting a name. Kitteridge. Right? Jack Kitteridge? That's a part of this team. Uh, it's not on the box. I'm looking at the box right now. Oh, no. Who else do I have to thank? All the people that did it. All the people that did the game. You know? Um, yeah, about... Jack, Jack Kitteridge is right. That's it. So those are the three. Greg so, Olatka. So, That's, you know, he wrote the quick start Gale guide. Force 9. Thanks to Gale Force 9 for bringing it all back. I, I we, we just spent too much time like dogging on this game and yeah, uh, I, I don't think that's fair. I love this game. Uh, I really do. It's just, uh, it's a different kind of beast and uh, that beast is a huge inspiration for basically every um, asymmetric game we have today, nowadays. Yeah. Like every thematic game, like they all take their inspiration from Dune. If you're looking for, if you're wanting to dig into the Space Cats backlog, go back to the Bill Eberly interview Please. episode because I still stand by that being like one of the craziest experiences was interviewing that guy. Um, yeah. Just like they're geniuses. Yeah, yeah. And this, this, I, game, and this game is made is genius. by geniuses. Yes, yes. So, um, so thank you so much to to everybody involved with making it. Yeah. And we end the show on like a really fun somber note, like a very fun, just like, oh, thank, just thanks. Just right? thanks. Then, somber? Somber is like sad, Matt. Somber because we're leaving because it's gone. Cause we're oh, because it's it's bittersweet is what it bittersweet. is. Bittersweet. Yep. Yep. Goodbye. Yep. Goodbye, Dune. I'm, I'm standing on the train platform and Dune is uh, <laughs> on the train and, and, and there's a war. I'll always remember you. I'll, I'll always love you, Dune. But then, <laughs> but then you could kind of see that at home um, there's Root waiting there's for this, me. There's and, some birds and mice yes. hanging out in the house and it's like, yes. you though. But hmm. I did, but I, but, and you know what's weird is some people will look at that and they'll, they'll not understand. But I did, I, but I did love Dune. I loved Dune so much. Goodbye, Dune. Thanks for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles, and thanks to Brian Capillus for the use of his music. You can find more at wanderinglake.bandcamp.com.
the spice must flow.